Oliver, the way that the beginning works is there's no actual music playing. But I, <laughs> we act like it's playing. I said, settle down, settle down, everything is fine. You Take your eyes off the floor. She said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not alright. I lost my head on the door. She said, Alright, we have Link 182. She's out of her mind. Yeah. Uh, the new album. By request of Trey, the former host of the show. <laughs> Wait, I didn't lose my job here. I'm no. just giving over the reins to you yeah i'm, I'm just hosting this show uh just for one week see how it goes um but i am your host more. today thomas espy alongside the former host <laughs> extraordinaire Again, trey f- county i, I do want to emphasize though that i am not the former host <laughs> i'm just not the host for this episode although he maybe is, maybe I'll so he's playing again. he's playing he's wearing two hats today yeah he's also a guest and our other guest, I'll let introduce himself and tell us a little something about yourself that we might not know. Oh, great. Well, my name is Oliver Rao, um, and I am Trey's thesis partner, actually. So we are creating film together. Um, so that is a tidbit about me. But this is also my first ever podcast being right. on anything. So I'm not used to this. I'm used to cameras being, you know, the like primary uh, focus, but so it's weird to be just on a microphone for once. But I like it. It's like you're less concerned about what you look like, and actually, for the audience, I you know I'm not wearing any clothes right now. <laughs> there we just go. Just kidding. That's why it's a podcast. <laughs> um, so this is a first for all of us. First, a first ever podcast for Oliver. First time as a guest for Trey, mm-hmm. and my first time hosting. So yeah. I hope I don't uh, totally ruin this episode. I'm sure you'll do great. So can you tell us the title of your film as well as maybe what you feel the synopsis is going to be sure. up to this point? Obviously, it's still in development. So Yeah, uh, so the working title of our film right now is called Dream Jobbers, um, and it's essentially about independent professional wrestlers um, in and around North Car- or Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, the term jobbers is a term that comes from wrestling. Jobbers are traditionally these kind of anonymous uh, performers that are booked to lose to kind of enhance, um, you know, the championship talent or, you know, some other character. So typically like in the eighties, you would see Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair wrestle kind of these no name people, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of get over with the crowd. So, um, dream jobbers in this case, it's a bunch of people working the independent circuit, um, that you probably haven't heard of unless you're the biggest diehard wrestling fan, or you go to the shows in North Carolina. Um, so these people that are kind of wrestling in these crazy places, not in front of a huge amount of people, um, but are still nonetheless following their dream of becoming a professional wrestler under the bright lights and glitz and glamour of WWE. Great. Oliver, do you have anything to add? To no, that you can tell that's why he's our pitch guy yeah. between the two of us. He um, does a great job of discussing the film. But no, he said, he said it well, and like he sort of hinted at there, I mean, it really does have a lot to do with sort of the idea of hopes and dreams. And so I think it's a great lens into, you know, we often see a lot of people under the age of 20, you know, 18, 19 year olds trying to make in the world or a kid dreaming big, you know, coming from a small town or something. But this is different in the idea that I think it's a different age bracket. Um, It's a lot more of that 20 to 30 to 40 sort of, you know, and and older, um, some of them as well kind of looking to still make it, you know, cause that sort of dream never really 
you know, it's something that people sometimes never give up on. So I, I like the fact that we're looking at this sort of different age bracket that is not what you would expect when you think of hopes and dreams. Yeah, and I don't think I know any way of a wrestling. I mean, there's a lot of wrestling documentaries, but not one that kind of focuses on the jobbers. Yeah, and I, I think um, what we want from this film, um, you know, I, I watch wrestling. Oliver really had never um, watched wrestling, and there are a lot of wrestling documentaries out there that are for wrestling fans. Well, and um, I can think of like a lot that WWE would put out right, on their own, but I don't right. even consider those like. I mean, they're documentary in a sense. They're like branded content. Documentary, you know, like a documentarian making them. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's made by the company to kind of further the mystique of a certain persona or whatever. Yeah. Um, Our our hope is that this film will appeal to a wider audience, um, not necessarily wrestling fans. I, I don't think we need to convince wrestling fans of... Um, the sacrifices that a wrestler makes on the way to becoming a star. Um, But I think our hope for this film is that people who don't watch wrestling, who maybe scoff at it, who maybe don't take it seriously, uh, get a sense of everything that these people are going through Mm -hmm. and can hopefully identify in uh, the wrestlers the struggle to just follow your dreams and everything you have to do to make it to the level you want it to be. And I think because we think of wrestling as this, this fake you know, sport, um, we sometimes take for granted how long it takes to get to the level of someone in WWE, both physically and um, as a personality. Well, and just how much physically that even these people give up on their weekends. Right. And what kind of shape they have to be in. Right. Uh, So kind of building off of that, can you tell me, I mean, I believe it was your idea at first that you pitched. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So can you tell me like, like how this came to your mind like why was this something that you wanted to do sure uh and i think oliver can chime in here too because the long story is we were really struggling for a topic um there was supposed to be a third person on our film and i think we were planning on kind of following the story he had pitched but then you know he moved on to a different degree track and had to kind of took his idea with him which rightfully so it's his idea but um, that kind of left us in a lurch about what we were going to do um so we we tossed all sorts of ideas uh, back and forth. We talked about, um, you know, last fall, uh, Confederate monuments, you know, were kind of in the news. And we talked about kind of talking about the cultural effect of the Confederacy in the South. Um, we talked about resegregation of schools as a potential idea. We saw an article about the city of Wilmington, Delaware. Um, about it being one of the most violent cities in America, and that's something that nobody ever thinks of, and we thought that would be a great film. Mm -hmm. Um, But for various reasons, all of those ideas were just kind of hard to make. Well, and on on top of that, too, not to cut you off, but I think the issue sometimes can be when you get into documentary filmmaking like we were, you know, a couple years ago, and um, you start to get into it, and I think you develop this idea that, like, these stories that you have to do have to be, like, the biggest, most profound stories that just break all of these racial or social barriers mm-hmm. um and and makes this huge political statement and i think we were maybe trying a little bit too hard just to come up with this like really great idea and what i think was like the most beautiful moment of my like career at uh, wake forest was when i'm sitting in a parking lot one day during my day job like just got back from lunch and i get a call from trey And, you know, we're both like in the midst of stressing over what are we going to make a film about? 
and I get a call from him and he's like, Hey, I was like at this wrestling show last weekend. And you know, it, it was, it was probably more in depth than this, but from what I remember, it was like, Hey, I was at this wrestling show last weekend and I don't know, it was really cool. Um, and seemed really interesting. There was a bunch of like weird characters that seemed like they had a cool backstory. Why don't we do a film on that? And it was like that simple. It was like, you know what? Yes. Because I think at the end of the day, what Trey and I share is that we love sort of these comedic aspects to the story where it's like, it's not like the characters are laughable necessarily or even the situation, but it's like just sometimes I think they look at life a little bit differently and it, it brings this sort of, um, I don't know, like laid back, um, sort of fun vibe to life that a lot of these wrestlers have and sort of share in common. And so, I think Trey and I sort of found that as an, an attractive trait, basically, yeah. in a story. And so, again, we were trying too hard to find this, like, really intense story when really what what we like to tell stories about often have, like, a little bit of humor involved in them. And so I think that was a huge moment for us because we stopped trying so hard to come up with something and really just let something sort of come to us. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, as I mean, I've seen some footage. It's kind of, I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch more footage you know mm-hmm. this was like a year ago but there are parts and i would say it's more like you're laughing with a character sometimes mm-hmm. exactly like you get to know them enough to be laughing with them in certain point right and i i think just one more thing i'll say about it is i think you know something within what you're saying that i think works really well with trey and i is as he was saying before he came into it knowing a lot more about wrestling and i came into it not knowing anything about wrestling and i think that's been a terrific balance between the two of us because I think if you're one way or the other, you could either glorify wrestling in your mind or you could, you know, think really poorly of wrestling. Mm-hmm. But I think when you combine people who have two very different experience levels coming into a subject, it really sort of helps the story from this more sort of objective is maybe the wrong word, but more of like an all-encompassing look on what wrestling is and what it can be. And so I think that's exactly right. It's like you're not laughing at characters ever. And, you know, especially the way we've been capturing it, I think you're more laughing with them, but you're also going through some of these really tough moments where they're trying to figure out what their next steps in their career are going to be. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's definitely a levity to the topic because on its face, wrestling is ridiculous. I mean, it is people putting on a persona, fake fighting, but people just eat it up. So I, I think... We, we do want to embrace that levity. And I think we've been lucky to have a lot of participants in our film that embrace that levity and can kind of laugh at what they're doing. But we also want people to realize like how seriously they take it. Because I, I don't think at the end of the day, if you don't like wrestling, this film is not supposed to make you start watching WWE. That's, yeah. that's not the hope. That's not the goal. Um, but it's to hopefully get you to identify with their journey, um, whether you're a filmmaker, you know, we're, we're starting out as filmmakers. So I think that's kind of a, a cool parallel. Um, I, I think we have bigger dreams than just making a thesis film. Although right now it feels like that is the one dream we need to focus on. Um, but just all that goes into it. And even though it may seem ridiculous, this is the life they've chosen and there's value and validity in that. Um, and the level of commitment they show to it. I, I, I would hope that anyone can kind of empathize with, regardless of if you think wrestling is a worthwhile profession. Yeah, yeah and I want to get to maybe talking about some of the characters. I mean, I've seen multiple, and I don't know what your direction is right now as far as like, but maybe telling the audience a little bit about uh, 
what kind of characters you have and what their journeys are. Sure. But before you do that, I just want to point out that you did call yourself a filmmaker. Oh, damn you. And <laughs> usually, usually you don't. Uh, well. So take that for what it's worth. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. And, well, uh, I wish you I, find the Nick episode, then, then right. you can. Yeah, we have a lost episode. I wish I could have rung that like a little bell or something when he said it, because that, that is totally a buzzword. I said we're trying to be filmmakers, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, but regarding character, so, uh, yeah, there, there's a whole world out there and I think that's, that's kind of been part of the challenge is, is finding who to focus on. I think we've got lucky with a couple of the people, um, that we've talked to and that we've met about just them fitting really nicely into the story we want to tell. And I'll let Oliver talk about some and I'll talk about some, but, um, I think it starts, I mean, the whole, the whole league is operated and run and managed, uh, by a guy named Tracy Myers, who was a used car salesman in town. Um, and he's like a third generation. He's been doing it for years. Um, and he came up with the idea of, of having a WrestleCade weekend, which is just takes place annually after Thanksgiving. I think this is their 13th year doing it. Um, you know, what it started as is very different than what it is now, but they, they get all these old timers and just kind of like these iconic people to come to town in Winston-Salem of mm-hmm. all places and people come from all over the world to see them um, to just kind of relive you know the glory of some of these people that they grew up watching um, so he had done this for several years um, and then he decided he wanted to start his own independent promotion um, and Tracy has been very successful as a salesman um, and so he's trying to be as successful as a car salesman as he is a wrestling promoter so mm-hmm. you kind of see him you know really when the crowds aren't great you can kind of hear him and see him you know really get frustrated with how to get more people in um and just kind of his journey on that um one of so so that's tracy's story um so it's kind of been fun to to see him because he's very different as like a manager than he is as his used car salesman persona he does commercials as Uncle Frank. I imagine when he gets in front of like the other, like the wrestlers, he's going to like try to motivate them and get them to. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a coach or something. Yeah. It's interesting because like he kind of mirrors them. He doesn't wrestle. Um, he doesn't have a background in wrestling, but his, his persona as a used car salesman in his commercials is very similar to a wrestling persona. It's not necessarily him. It's kind of him times a hundred. Um, so he has this different persona that he navigates in his professional life. So to kind of see him in a wrestling world and working with that, I think is pretty interesting. Um, some of the other people we're following one, one is a, a girl, a female wrestler, um, AML, which is the league that Tracy runs kind of has a sister organization called Queens of combat. Um, and one of the, we're actually following two girls. One is named Maddie, Maddie Max. She and that's is, the one I've seen, right? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think you've seen most of them, but she's probably a little bit more memorable yeah. um, in the cuts we've shown. Um, she's a sorority sister at the University of Charlotte. Um, so she's only 20, but um, she's kind of all in on the wrestling thing. Um, and she's had some success. Um, but, you know, she's she still isn't at the level she wants to be. And then another woman we're following her name. Her ring name is Savannah Evans. Um, her real name is Rachel, um, and she has graduated from college. She's probably about five or six years older than Maddie. Um, 
And so she kind of has a little bit of a different perspective and has maybe been doing it longer, but is still trying to reach the same goal. And I'll let Oliver talk about some of the others. Yeah. So, and again, this is like, it's even hard to narrow this down to people because we've just talked to so many people. Um, but at the end of the day, we've run into the, you know, those characters talked about already. We love, um, as well as some others, but at the end of the day, you can't have 10 characters, right? Even though, even though in a wrestling league like this, there are nothing but characters, right? Um, but, um, another one that I love that we've spent a lot of time with and we know is going to make the cut of the final film is a guy named Black Disc Jack. Um, his real name is Philip. But it's even weird saying that out loud because I know him as Black or Blackdis Jack. Everyone knows him as Blackdis Jack. Right. Like you just say Blackdis. You don't right. say Philip. Right, exactly. So I think if you said Philip, everyone would be like, who? <laughs> um, but um, he, he's great. He is um, a war veteran. So he fought in Af- Afghanistan um, and mentions to us a bunch, you know, he's been shot at. He's been in the real live action of Afghanistan. So, um, but he is a veteran and he came back and decided this is sort of what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and um he battles with a lot of stuff sort of internally he battles with the fact that he's back home from being what was you know a glorified position in in the army um in fighting to kind of realizing that life isn't quite the same back when you get back home um he's he's dealt a lot with that but he also deals with a family that he's sort of always trying to gain respect from um you know i've spent a lot of time with him i've talked to him i've talked to some of his family members and seems like they're there for him and they and they do want him to be successful but in something like this where it's hard to right away gain you know first of all make money but second of all call it a profession because you're so busy with it um it's hard to gain that respect right away but he's his goal seems to be to slowly gain this respect not just from his family but from his friends from people that are at the match from wrestlers you know his peers so he struggles with trying to just be the guy he wants to be the guy that everyone respects and that's someone we've really enjoyed um and so the interesting thing though about all these characters is i think the one thing we've realized is you know we're i think we're at a great place now in terms of getting to know these characters and sort of being able to spend time with them and talk to them more and more but one of the issues that arises with anything but especially in wrestling is there's always sort of that uh, mystique of being a wrestler there's always sort of that behind the curtain and in front of the curtain sort of thing because at the end of the day like Trey was saying before they do have these personas that they specifically put on when they're wrestling Mm -hmm. and it's so hard especially with a camera around them I mean every time they see a camera they're used to putting on that persona right yeah so when we have a camera on them we have to try and sort of let them know that this is a different camera it's not, it's not a camera that's going straight to the internet on these Facebook pages of AML wrestling. It's something where we can see your struggle behind the scenes or see all the work that goes into it. Um, we recently just went to a training session as well and uh, filmed that, got to know some of the trainees, some people who have never wrestled before and uh, a trainer that we really like as well as a character who does a great job of speak, you know, he has a past life in acting as well as wrestling and he's, you know, a former football player as well. So you have that sort of, um, my point is you get to those training sessions and it's, it's, that's a more fun place to be maybe to talk to people directly about sort of their backstory because they haven't really made it yet. The problem is you get to then 
AML status. And even though it's not the WWE, people are starting to arrive or at least feel like they're arriving and they don't want to drop that curtain so that you can sort of get behind their different character persona. So that's been one thing that has been tough here and there. But for the most part, people have been pretty great once they see what we're trying to do. Yeah. But that is sort of a something that I didn't see coming as much as we've sort of received. And I think it's interesting because the parallels to the film that Brad and I are making. Right, right. Um, because we're, we're dealing with artists, you're dealing with wrestlers who essentially are actors, and they see the camera and they right. kind of put on this persona. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people do right. that anyway, but they do it like double. No, right. And what's interesting too, and I, it's not just what we're doing or what you're doing, it's so funny now you watch films that are in like the seventies or the eighties or the nineties. Like we're, I'm in doc history right now. So I've been watching a lot of old films and you just start to see there's such a difference then versus now of this awareness of the camera and the Mm -hmm. awareness that this could be seen somewhere. I feel like that was so much different 50 years ago when people weren't really sure, Oh, he just has a camera like this. No one's going to see this. Um, and we'll talk a lot in doc history about how people thought that. And then all of a sudden they were all over movie theaters and they were like, what, how did that happen? But now it's different. Now people see things on all these different platforms. They know that their face could show up in this film uh, on any platform at any given time. And so people are so much more aware of these cameras being around. And I'm sure you felt that way too. And so when you deal with artists, they especially know because they've been in front of cameras for the last, you know, however many years, Um, And so that gets difficult because people are just so cognizant of what is being shown on screen, what's being captured. And I think that makes people a little bit nerve wracking, even just as bystanders, not even as characters, but just when they see a camera, the turning and looking and whispering and smiling and looking that gets difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, these, these are people at the beginning of their careers and they're trying to develop these characters. And I, I think, you know, when we first pitched it and thought about making this film. Uh, I know I personally didn't think there were going to be any kind of ethical things that came up, um, at least as far as like major ethical things. But it is important to remember that, you know, these people do have careers and, you know, when they're being themselves and not necessarily their persona, they may say things that could affect, you know, booking in the future. So you do have to kind of be respectful of that and, you know, how they want to say things and, it's weird because they're like performing as the wrestlers and then sometimes they're still performing during interviews and and getting them to be that authentic self. I think it, like Oliver said, is sometimes hard to drop away, but we also do have to be respectful that there may be reasons they don't want to be that authentic self. Mm -hmm. And, and we have to be pretty careful about how we portray, you know, some of the things they say. And I was going to say, even sometimes, like, I don't know if Trey gets this as much, but I've gotten it a few times. And there's like those times where you feel a little bit uncomfortable only because you're not sure sometimes, not, not your main characters, they know, but some people that are loosely in it, in the background, they're kind of not as aware maybe of what's going on. And the reason I say that is because there will be people that are like coming up to me and man, I can't wait to see you guys, what you guys have after you've been here for so long. And like, I think this is really going to be a great film on AML, you know? And it's like, I don't think they understand that we're following maybe like these specific characters with specific struggles. We're not doing like a behind the scenes, all access pass to this wrestling league. Um, So you get to certain points like that where you just want to be clear and honest with them as much as possible. But there's so many people involved sometimes in these films that, you know, not everyone has a, great idea of exactly what you're doing and so it's like you said you know our hope is that 
when we're cutting and when we're coming up with these edits and before we release stuff to the public, we want to make sure we're not embarrassing everybody. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll speak on another specific example like Trey was doing, um, which by the way, that was a great moment. And I'm very happy he asked if we could get backstage because that is one thing that we haven't really gotten is like this post show sort of smackdown of like, no pun intended of <laughs> what is, you know, the review of the wrestlers and the owners and all these higher ups on like, how did the match go? You know? Um, but there was one too, where we were at, where we got to film a, uh, it wasn't really a training session as much as it was like a guest speaker sort of came in and was talking to all of the future stars about, you know, all these different techniques and what to do to convince your fans that your character really exists and all this like kind of like secret behind the scenes, how to knowledge of how to be a wrestler. And we're filming that. And, you know, he's kind of giving up this information that seems to be kind of private about how to be a wrestler. Um, and it's certain scenes that you, you find yourself in like that where you're like, all right, when we hit the editing room with this, like how much of this can we show? You know, he talks a lot about what to think of the fans and how to sort of trick them into X, Y, and Z or, you know, how to um, sort of take advantage of the audience sometimes. And not in a bad way. It's things that need to be said in order to become a good wrestler. But then you think, I don't know if I want the wrestling fans watching this necessarily and getting this information that they really don't want to know or don't want to hear. So I don't know. There's, I guess there's a few moments like that that you run into. Before we move on, I want to know, uh, like, what's your post-production schedule like what what do you where do you want the film to kind of end up and what are kind of your plans as that as far as that goes so i think and oliver kind of hinted at this um we we just recently within the past month kind of met josh gary who is the trainer Mm -hmm. um and i that is what we wanted like a year ago yeah and i think we kind of had that kind of rude epiphany of documentary filmmaking about how long sometimes it takes to get that linchpin of the story that you need. Um, because Josh is incredibly important in that he's granting us that access to the training that, you know, we hadn't had, but we had wanted for so long. He's also important because he links Blactus with Maddie, mm-hmm. which without him, it, it's kind of like, how do we cut back and forth between these two? But now that we have him kind of as that, I don't want to say central figure because I'm not saying the film's about him, but kind of as that transitional figure where he can talk about Blactus and Maddie, you know, that's pretty important to getting us back and forth in time. Um, and then the fact that he, he seems to have an awareness being an actor and being involved in the arts about what we need to do to kind of tell that story. Um, so that being said, you know, I, Maybe a month ago, I would have thought we'd shot maybe 75% of this. Now, I don't know. I mean, we, we that might have dropped to 50% of this because I think he's a pretty important part of this story. And hopefully getting some of that access will open up some some new avenues for the story to go. So yeah. we do have a rough cut due in a couple of weeks. Um, I we think do. the rough cut <laughs> is probably going to look very different from the fine cut, which will probably look very different from the final cut. Um I don't know if this is answering your question at all. No, that is. I mean, I mean, obviously we have built in deadlines as students of the program. Yeah. Um, Well, I would just say that I think our biggest thing is with all of the characters. I mean, we're talking about maybe four characters, Mm -hmm. um, maybe five. I mean, I would hope for three or four, depending on what we decide on. But the, the toughest part of that 
that we're really going to have to work on is how to layer that in such a way that we can bounce around between these characters through these cinema verite moments, you know, that, uh, that will build on each other. And that's going to be the tough part. You know, we want to intertwine the stories as much as possible and still get our message across without feeling like you're just going randomly from one thing to the other. So I think that'll be our kind of next step. It's just a matter of how long that takes and how quickly and efficiently we can get through that. Yeah. And I've been through a similar thing. Uh, right, right. With four characters and right. how do you... And your film's even longer. So, yeah, you well, know, it's like you have so much yours more Yours might end up go. being longer than you think it is. <laughs> That's a yeah, good point. Something I, I do want to say, um, so we met with Ross Kaufman a couple of weeks ago and showed him some cuts. And, and, you know, some of our characters, I think, have been more well-received as far as just, you know, who they are and whether people can identify with them. And, um, you know, some you know, have not been. And uh, he said something that I I think is pretty important to consider is, you know, we're not out here trying to convince people to like wrestling, but we are out here trying to convince people to like the people or at least identify with the people. And to do that, we need to make sure that those people are presented not artificially, but as likable as possible without, you know, taking away who they are. Um, So for anyone kind of making these human interest films, I think that's that's pretty important to consider. I think with a social justice issue film, um, obviously everybody wants your characters to be likable, but especially when you're trying to make a film that maybe, you know, on its surface, you're like, why am I watching this? This isn't what I think of when I think of documentary, but I want to learn more about the human condition. I think it's important to kind of remember how to get people to identify with those people. So that, that was... So you're like, I mean, your main, like, genre, so to speak, of the documentary is human interest more than anything. I mean, I guess if, if, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I come from an English background and kind of, you know, fictional stories and, you know, a lot of criticism with fiction is it it doesn't, you know, affect change or change the world. But I, I think it's incredibly important in getting you to understand how different people view the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that in some, in my personal opinion, I think that's just as valuable than asking people to go out and affect change um, because I, I think it just gives you an awareness. So those are the kind of films I want to make. Yeah, I agree with Trey. I feel, feel the same way. I, I think both of us, like I'm sort of mentioned before, like it for us, I don't know if it's ever really going to be about specifically like let's address a social issue and let's make that change. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time, the biggest question that you've gotten plenty of times I've seen it um, is why should you be the person making the film? That was a question that I was going to ask you guys. See, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. And that's such a question that like everyone in the doc world gets everyone when you're trying to raise money, when you're trying to pitch at a pitch fest, um, people want to know why you should, you know, make that film. And, you know, I don't want to speak on Trey's behalf, but we are, you know, white males. uh, And believe it or not, that weirdly like puts you at somewhat of this odd disadvantage when telling stories because people think that you can't tell a story because you've lived a privileged life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have lived a privileged life. I'm not arguing that. But I think when I'm trying to defend my right to tell a story, I like to be able to do that sometimes more from a character perspective and how I can relate to a character rather than how I can relate to an issue. Because a lot of the times I can't convince someone that I can relate to an issue, even though I know that I can. It's just hard to do that sometimes. So when you can talk about your connection to a character, I think that really helps. And who can't connect to characters who have hopes and dreams? You know, I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. But I agree when uh, we talked to Kaufman who said that, you know, it was kind of like um, it really did open up my eyes, too, at the same time. It's like, let's get people to fall in love with our characters first 
and then they'll be able to you know watch this film from start to finish yeah yeah and do, do you want me to answer why are we the people to make this film do well, you yeah, want to ask gonna, that question I, do you want to be would, the typical pitch judge and ask that question well, see, i had it written down and then i thought well i don't like to be asked that i mean <laughs> it's not that i don't like to be asked it it's that i've been asked it so yeah. much that i, I know. Uh, yeah. so yeah why youtube yeah so, no it's I, i'm actually I, I feel like i finally know why because okay. yeah it doesn't seem like something that anybody cares about there it's wrestlers it's it's not the social justice issue so like really kind of who cares right well, um, in today's world in documentary like you need to have a really yeah relevant story right and it can't be just about wrestling. yeah as far as in the documentary world goes now that's not the general public i think that if you go to like netflix and you look at what's popular right netflix is an example of many different pl- platforms but, right um that's something i think as filmmakers that we're gonna have to face more than people have in the past so well yeah and so i mean there's there's a whole you know, worlds and kind of bag of issues that we can get in with female wrestlers. And, you know, I think Mm -hmm. somebody should make a film about that. Um, And I know Oliver and I, you know, talked about, you know, kind of delving into some of those issues, but we were having a hard time kind of either getting people to open up about it or even ask how, you know, to get them to open up about it. Um, But I think what ultimately resonated with me and that I can kind of see in both Maddie and Rachel and Blackdis and even Tracy, um, you know, I worked in minor league sports for a long time. I went to Chicago to try to do comedy, um, you know, with this big hope and dream. But You I'm, can do comedy. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of my experience was performing in very empty houses and doing shows that I didn't feel great about. Um, but you still kind of feel this impulse to be successful overnight. Um, and I think Maddie, one of the girls in the film, you know, she has that, you know, she's young and, um, younger than me and younger than anyone in the film, but, you know, she just feels she has to be successful now because she feels she sacrificed a year of her life training with a group that she didn't like and that she lost that. And if she's not successful now, it's never going to happen. Um, so I, I think kind of that journey is definitely one I can identify with, um, regardless of being a wrestler or not. And I think everybody can, in a sense, you know, we want to be successful and we want that instant gratification and we feel if we don't get it, you know, it's sometimes very hard to trust the process. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a parallel in us as filmmakers doing that and hopefully just in general. Yep. Totally. And especially, you know, on a different level, like you're saying, everyone can relate to it. I mean, as someone who was a aspiring, you know, NFL football player to go from, being, you know, the guy in high school to being a Division three football player that thought he could still make the league somehow. Um, I know certainly what it is like as well to think your life is going to be one thing, mm-hmm. chase that dream, and then quickly realize, okay, something and yours needs is to change. In sports and yours <laughs> is entertainment, so it's kind of like right. wrestling is like both worlds. Yeah. Right. I can't wait to see it. What about you, Ed? I'm not here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's just the Don't cut that. No, I'm not cutting that. Uh, Don't cut it. No, so, yeah, I can't wait to, I mean, we have a rough cut in a few weeks that we all get to watch. I think it's like December Seriously? 6th. Yeah, ours is right before yours. Do we watch each other's? Well, no, the faculty, but you guys can come watch ours and we'll come watch yours. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're, we're both on we'll the same see. day. We'll, we'll see if we send you an invitation to oh, fine. But I can't wait to see it then in May. <laughs> yeah. How's that sound? I, I that's can't, fair. I can't no, wait fair. to get to May. <laughs> I, I know, I was going to say it the exact same way. Ed can't wait to get to May 29, 2020. I right can't now. wait to see the project Ed's currently working on. <laughs> yeah. 
Ed will be on the show talking about his current project sooner than later, I'm sure. Yep, exactly. Not his thesis project, the project he's here for. Oh. There's a lot to address with that. <laughs> We're still talking about this. <laughs> All right, so it's time for Doc Talk. Doc Talk. Let's give it three seconds of silence. <laughs> Just in case I decide to throw in some type of a you won't, and transition. That's why it's so great. That's great. Uh, so, Doc Talk this week we uh, watched Strongman. Yes. Um, and since I didn't watch it this week, <laughs> I'm going to pass it over to Trey. Uh, wait, does that mean the former host is now the host? Just for this. Oh, just for this. Changing it up. Well, here's the thing, Oliver. I've never watched <laughs> the documentary. It's nothing if not consistent. Oh man. I couldn't see. Break. I watched it so hard because I was so nervous about reporting to you guys about it. You're going to report like, to Trey about it. That's oh how yeah, I wish Thomas would treat it sometimes. <laughs> um, no, we we watched Strongman. Uh, the reason that I suggested it um, was Ross had had mentioned it to us, um, kind of because it follows a similar vein. Um, this is a guy named Stanley Steele. He's the strongest man in the world at bending metal. Um, he can like bend a penny with his bare hands. He can bend uh, pipes. He can bend, you know, heavy nails. Uh, can I take it from there? Huh? I'm going to take it from there. Okay. But the world around <laughs> Stan, his aging parents, his alcoholic brother, his beautiful but timid announced, announcer girlfriend, his showbiz agents, and strength rivals, and even Stan himself is not so malleable. Yes, it's a very good synopsis. As the pressure mounts, I'm not done yet. <laughs> as the pressure mounts, what starts out as a unique portrait of a lovable outsider soon becomes a deeply universal, funny, and poignant story about trying to find a path to a better life through the scraps and dented dreams of our modern times. Wow, that yeah. was a spectacular. Where is this synopsis? Thomas just wrote that himself. <laughs> <laughs> I prepared for this episode. Oh, no, man. that's uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. Oh, um, they did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, it's uh, so the reason he kind of suggested it is because, you know, he wanted us to kind of look at our characters in the same way. You know, if we don't have a social justice issue film, finding a way to make them identifiable to show their uniqueness but to also kind of explore the universality of their story mm-hmm. um and just hearing you read that and kind of hearing ross suggest that like he referenced it in uh after seeing blackness and i just right. feel there's you know a lot of comparisons that we hope to get to obviously so tell Blactus. me what you thought about about the film, yeah. um, for the most part, I like, enjoyed sell it. Sell it to me. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, you're never going to see it. You don't. You don't see it. any of these films. <laughs> Have you seen any since we've talked about them? No. No. Okay. Well, I and I can even sum up too. Like from the the uh, simpler version of the more complicated synopsis. I mean, you're basically watching this strong man um, in an age where it seems like the gimmick of the strong man has sort of stopped. So, yeah. like, you're watching this guy sort of do these outdated like circus tricks almost that you feel like shouldn't be happening at in this year you know yeah. I, when was it filmed what year uh, is this i think this I is like around that. 2009 yeah yeah is when it's so released. like somewhat recently it's like when is the last time you went somewhere and saw a strong man ben steel like it sounds so like old <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean it just sounds like it wouldn't be a present day film but it is and so it's this guy who's just like really sticks to his guns and really wants to prove that the being a strong man can still be literally being a strong man, not these gimmicky tricks or sort of like um, magician tricks. You know, it's he really wants you to see that he's a strong man at bending steel 
and he can really wow you and impress you. And this is his thing. And so it's like sort of following him through this journey of trying to really gain this respect and mm-hmm. sort of prove himself to the world, even though there's still plenty of other strong man acts going on that you see throughout the film yeah. as well. But he, what really is powerful about the film is, you know, that would be an interesting short film maybe, but it wouldn't have the legs to carry it for all 90 minutes or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. It might be a full two hour film. Um, what really carries the film is the relationship between him and his girlfriend. They're not married, correct? Or are they? Are they? Um, his wife, I, I girlfriend. Don't, I don't think they are. It says beautiful but timid announcer girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're really, really close throughout the film. But what you watch is sort of this unraveling of a relationship throughout the film as he goes through this strongman act and tries to make it big, mm-hmm. so to speak, even though I don't know if there's an area to really make it big as a strongman, but he thinks there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this relationship between him and his girlfriend is so interesting because they give you these beautiful moments that you can only find every, you know, one out of every 50 films is going to have this sort of access to a character and their interactions within their personal life behind closed doors. I mean, the the camera really goes behind all these closed doors. It goes to these crazy, you know, just crazy moments that you don't get to see in a relationship on camera a lot, or at least not authentically. Yeah. Um, and that part was truly amazing to me because you have him as a character as a whole that's really interesting, but then you have this relationship that is also super interesting. And so both of those carry the film, you know, throughout the whole thing for me. Yeah, it's kind of to Oliver's first point. So he's he's got a job. He's got a day job. He, like, moves scrap metal or something, you know, in New Jersey. But he wants his career to be a strong man, which, you know, if you hear that, like in today's, you know, world, it sounds ridiculous. Well, it's similar like, to like wrestling. Yeah, but wrestling like wrestling, at least there's there's a path there, right? No, totally. sure. It's like, yeah, like, do you really see a future in this? But like for him, like, I mean, when we think strongman, we do think kind of this vaudevillian character that no longer exists in the world. But there is a little bit of a subculture, and he like gets some bookings, like on you know TV shows in Britain. But for the most part, you know, he's doing like these children's birthday parties or you know very small community events so it's and i think you kind of see the frustration that this is what he feels he should be doing for his career Mm -hmm. but there's really no place for it and so i think some of that frustration spills over to his relationship with his girlfriend um to his relationship with his girlfriend's sister um and and you just I, i mean it's definitely a story anyone can identify with you're trying to find your spot in the world, um, but sometimes the world doesn't have a spot for you. Well, and it sounds like, going back to what you were talking about in your own film, a human interest story. Yeah, And, exactly. like, I think we, uh, we can all connect to that, trying to make it in our own profession, because as many as big as film is, there's not many big filmmakers. Uh, yeah. Totally. A lot of it and, is. And, and what does it mean to make, to make it, you yeah. know, because... Um, yeah, because and, he. it sounds like he did... He was he was able to perform and stuff, and he was able yeah. to get himself out there. But in his mind, is that making it? Yeah, yeah. you know. Like, w- yeah. So if we tie it back to Blactus, like I think Blactus is trying to get this respect from his family, and will he ever get that? Even if he makes it to WWE, like at the top. I mean, I mean, are they s- actually going to respect him? I mean, um, I, I think there's a question there with with his character, and you certainly see it with Stainless Steel is in a lot of senses he has made it as far as a strongman can probably make it, but Mm -hmm. he's still not satisfied. And a a huge thing too, that I think 
I would say almost identifies with Maddie and her mom um, that, you know, our characters in our film. But um, in this film, what you really pick up on um, is that chasing a dream sounds great. And, you know, there's a lot of personal sacrifice to that, but there's also a lot of this external sacrifice that affects other people. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to chase a dream, say you're like us and you're trying to be a filmmaker, you know, I have a wife that I have to help pay the bills for, or, you know, I, you can't, you can't just do what you want forever, chase this dream and expect it to affect nobody. It's going to affect people, whether it be your parents, your significant other, your brothers or sisters, your friends, whatever it may be. And so something that's great in this film is that you see he is just so constantly obsessed with being the center of attention Mm -hmm. and for everyone around him to continue to make sacrifices, especially his girlfriend, to allow him to make it. And the moment he thinks people are giving up on his dream is when he gets the most angry in the, in the film. And we, you know, sort of relate to that with Maddie and her mom in our film where Maddie's mom can see sort of this path that Maddie's trying to make it on, but she is weary of it. And Mm -hmm. so you can see these, these sort of rumblings of she's unsure. She wants her to be safe. She wants her to be successful. But at some point... She wants her to have a backup plan. That's why she's in right, college. Right. Yeah. And so at some point, though, they're going to get to that decision. And obviously, it's not going to be within our thesis film yeah. time limit, which is unfortunate. But you know, if we choose to keep following it, we'll find that moment. But there is that moment where you have to make a decision. And either you give up on a dream or you continue it and really sacrifice even more yeah. than you've already sacrificed. So this film really shows that. And the beautiful thing about it is in the time frame. I don't know what the full time frame is, but they followed him. I think it's like a year. I mean, it's, it's significant. It feels significant. I mean, it feels longer than that just because of the moments that they give you, it feels like there's no way he would have gotten this in three months. Um, but it's long enough where you can see these ups and downs of chasing this dream and ups and downs of these relationships. And I think for me, that's what really, um, makes it spectacular is the ups and downs that you're able to experience on this roller coaster ride in just this, these really simple scenes. And honestly, yeah. and I he's mean, still likable. I, I think yeah, it's very important. Likeable. Like even though he's going through this frustration, like you, you do root for him, and he's likable. And I think that's one of the main reasons Ross recommended it to us is to make sure we're doing that with our characters. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, and you know, going back to the thesis film. Um, the ups and downs are hard to do if you only have a year to film people. Yeah, totally. Uh, sometimes it's about editing somebody's up right after somebody else is down. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, yeah. Just another thing I've learned. What does uh, <laughs> what does the tomato meter say on so, this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Get, I'm getting into uh, so a couple fact checks. 2011, this film came out. Okay, great. It okay, is 113 minutes. Okay, so it's pretty long. Well, we we were long. close on both of those. Yeah. In yeah. all fairness. The tomato meter, it's not certified uh, because it does not have enough uh, reviews, but I figured, it is 100%. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. But so that only means... That only means that all 13, all 17 people reviewed it above a 50. Oh, okay, great. So well, some people I would say, that, what would you give Would you give a rating to this, Trey? Like if you had, not, not, not necessarily if you had to guess out of what the rating would be, but your personal percentage uh, of freshness. Like, so out of 100? Yeah. yeah. I would probably put it somewhere in the 80s. Yeah, I say so too. So that would be a hundred. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's hard to watch this film and not have fun and like feel like you experienced a film. There are yeah. so many documentaries that you're like, well, yeah, that maybe meant a lot as in terms of like the social issues addressing. But did I have fun watching it? Do yeah. I feel like I'm walking away from an experience? That's hard to do, no, uh, especially in documentary films. Like 
to have that momentum and like the synopsis said, the pressure word is so good because there's so much pressure throughout the film. Not necessarily momentum, but just constant pressure on mm-hmm. the character. Um, and I think you walk away with it like, that was fun to watch. You know, I watched it this morning. So I'm like drinking coffee and watching it. And I like went out in a, you know, went out on the town with this like newfound sort of, um, I don't know, like. Um, energy. Like yeah, some yeah, yeah. Like to when you, when you watch something that really just empowers you to be like, man, I need to take control of my life now. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, my recommendation this week, which we'll get to in a minute. Yes. Uh, oh, I have one too. Yeah. We do that at the end. So okay. <laughs> it, it, it inspired me wait. quite a bit and I'll, I'll get to that. In a okay. Bit. Um, so. Uh, you I'm both, ex- you have, what? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm excited for the next segment. I am Is, too. Are we transitioning? We're about there. We're okay. about there. Yeah. I just want to say that you've both made me excited enough to maybe watch this film. Do it. Oh, okay. Do it's it. Do first it. Time. Do it. Okay, cool. Uh, it, oh, wait, can I say bet this? you still don't. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Trey, Trey paid for it. And I have Amazon it. Prime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. the filmmaker. Okay, well, I mean, we I, I'm supporting him with views and um, yeah. my father's Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the last thing is the audience score, which was a 62. percent Okay, well, I mean, that's I, surprising. I, I can I'm see surprised. It. At that. I think it is a little overly long at some points. Here, but here's what you got to take into consideration: okay. when the audience rates it, it's out of five, so it's a 3.2 out of five, which okay. sounds better than 62. Yeah, that's true. I that's think true. That, I think it's that's like a pretty fair rating for. And then, of course, large. the tomato meter is out of 10, and it's a 7.1 out of 10. I think that's mm. a pretty fair rating yeah. for... So it's pretty similar yeah. among... Yeah, I like it a little bit more, but I, I can among see the where it would live. Yeah. Critics. All right, we're going to go on to the best segment, <laughs> okay, all right. trivia. All right, we don't need to... We have two trivia stars today, um, so I expect everything. We've, we, we have oh not made a don't think thrice appearance. This trivia game is called WWF. Okay. All right. Okay. I like this. Wait, are we on a team or am I going against you? No, you're that on sounds a team. like a terrible idea. Okay, no, we'll be great. a team. Great. Uh, the WWF stands for which wrestler and film. Okay. So the question that I'm going to ask you yeah. has two answers. Okay. The wrestler in the film okay. and what the name of the film is. I like this. All right. So yeah. I'll give you a, an easy one okay. to kind of as an example. Unfortunately, too, I want to say this in advance. <laughs> All these wrestlers are men. Oh, boy. Yeah. Here okay. we go. No, I get it's that. a lot of guys. Also, if, if you don't hear me say anything, it's because I know the answer, but I'm letting Trey say yeah. the okay. answer. Yeah. Please let me finish I, each I question. I hope I do really good at this. <laughs> he plays Drax the Destroyer in uh, this James Gunn film. Okay, well, it's multiple, but uh, that would be <laughs> Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I assume James Gunn also did Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He did. Okay. So you double answered that okay, question. Okay, great. Wow. Awesome. Um, Oliver knew that. Yep. But I don't know. You, you might think time. all of these are easy, for all, right. all I know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, one for one. Okay. But that was the Ed's sample. Ed's going to keep track of how many you get right. Okay. He mm. played Fezzik in this mm. Rob Reiner adaptation of William Golden's fantasy novel. <sighs> Wait, William Golding. So that's Lord of the Flies? No. Oh, 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 yes. Okay, I'm with you. Yes. Okay. Um, I got a hint from Oliver, the do you peanut gallery. I'm going to let see. I, I know uh, Trey answer. might be able to work this one out before I tell you the answer okay. that I know okay. confidently. Wait, who's fantasy novel? William Golding? Yes. Is this the same guy that wrote Lord of the Flies? I, this is not an English trivia game. No, so. I know, but <laughs> I, I would just be surprised if the author is the same. I know the answer. It's well, Andre the, the Giant and the Princess Bride. He got it. Yep, but I'm I'm was more your, curious. Andre the Giant. Yep. Now I have to look that up. So <laughs> while you ask the next question, all right. He played Bonesaw in this Sam Raimi film, oh. which was the first in a series of three. 
Don't be looking up the answer. I'm not. I'm looking up this William Golding thing. He played Bonesaw. 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 As a fan of comic books, you should know this. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. I don't know the what he directed. A series of three I, comic book movies. I don't think I know this. You want to pass on this one? Is it, is it a Marvel franchise? I could tell you that. <laughs> okay. It is. Okay. But you'll lose credit, so, apparently. Bonesaw. Yeah. Bonesaw. Oh. All right. I don't know. Macho Man Randy Savage. Huh. I didn't know I, he was in that. Yeah, I didn't know. He was is in he, a wrestling ring he's playing the fake himself wrestler? pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, you're that still doing sense. good. You're that makes sense. Good. William Goldman. This should be an easy one. Okay, I was thinking William Golding. He's William still Golding wrote Lord of the Flies. William Goldman wrote The Princess mm, Bride. There you go. Maybe. Hold on. Let me confirm that. He played yes. He played Captain Insano in this football-themed Adam Sandler film. <laughs> um, okay, so it's in The Water Boy. That would that, that's correct. So um, that's the Captain point. Insano. Oh man, I, I remember the character, but I don't I don't know wrestlers well enough to answer this question. Yeah. Who, who I'm happy the, I knew the movie. Who this is, is the why character? I put, this is why I made it film and wrestling. He plays Captain Insano. Yeah, but who is Captain Insano in the in the movie? Like, who is that? Do you? Re- it's like someone that um, like where the water it? boy like looks up to or like you know oh, like emulates. Yes. Okay. Is it Jake the Snake? No, it's the Big Show. Ah, uh, damn. That's a half a point. Okay. I'm not doing he brought to life the late wrestler Tor Johnson in this biopic directed by Tim Burton. <laughs> he also used to eat the turnbuckles. <laughs> George the Animal Steel? Yeah, what's the movie? I don't know. Tim Burton. I, I didn't know he biopic. did a biopic on a wrestler. No, he played Tor Johnson in this biopic directed by I Tim Burton. I don't know Burton. who Tor wasn't Johnson a biopic is. Who is Tor Johnson? Johnson? He was a wrestler in the <laughs> 50s. Uh, I don't know. Ed Wood. Ed Wood. It's another okay. half a point. Doing good, doing good. Got these a are good, left. Thomas. I'm you proud like of you. You did good. I made these up myself, too. I did not. Let me just them. say, stumping Trey on trivia is a very difficult thing to do. I've seen him many a night at Small Batch <laughs> watching him get 10 out of 10 every round. <laughs> this so is this I, is impressive. I made them a little Actually, difficult. I should say 10 out of 10 plus one because then sometimes he'll get the bonus question to get a free drink, which he doesn't even use. So... <laughs> Well done. 11 out of he's 10 most good, of the time, so this is tough. he's still doing good. He's still doing So good. how many more do we have? Just a few. Just a few, okay. He played the Russian in this 2004 Marvel film. Man. This is so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I have no idea. This is the movie Iron Man? 2004. 2009. Oh. The movie so is, it's I'll give like you the movie, X-Men? The Punisher. The Punisher. I don't oh. know. I don't know. I didn't see that. Diesel. Diesel. Kevin, Kevin Nash. Nash, yeah. Okay. He was also in Magic Mike. I'm surprised you didn't I ask that one. I hope you get one. this one. He played Elliot Wilhelm in this belated sequel to Get Shorty. The Rock. Yeah, but The Rock and uh, Be Cool? His name is actually not Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> all right. A couple more. I want to ask you all of them because I made them up and okay. I can't. Okay. I mean, yeah, t- typically to. I write much more than I actually <laughs> yeah. ask. I just want to point out, but. He played Nada in this John Carpenter film, which features the iconic quote, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. John I'm, Carpenter film, I'm not good at identifying directors. John Carpenter, 1980, I have no idea. 
Sorry. Any idea? No idea. Rowdy Roddy Piper and They Live. They Live? Yeah. You've never seen Mm -mm. They Live? Have you Mm -mm. seen They Live? Ed's seen They Live. I've seen it. You got to see it. I'll see it. You got to see it too, Oliver. Okay, deal. Amazing. They Live. Is it a zombie movie? It, you just watch it. Okay. It's a, gov- it's, it's a whole. <laughs> it's a government-sponsored zombie head. movie. Yeah. Okay. He played, or actually, this is. There's two in this one. Oh. This was one of my favorite movies as a kid too. Okay. One played a bounty hunter. The other played Shep Ramsey alongside Christopher Lloyd in this 1991 film. This was one of your favorite as a kid. Mm-hmm. Shep Ramsey. He was. A, he was an alien. I don't know. Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and Suburban Commando. Okay. I knew Hogan was in there. And I thought you were going to go Mr. One. Nanny. You're, you've totally bombed this. I haven't but totally I'm gonna, bombed this. I'm going to say if you get this one right, you win. Okay. Oh, wow. And you should get this. Okay. He played himself in this Milo's Foreman film. See, I don't know directors. He played himself. I, I mean, a lot of people have played themselves. 2001? Is that what you said? I didn't give you a year, but it came out. When did it come out? Like in the late 90s. There's a documentary about it right now. About the film? Yeah, kind of. About the film that was made? Yeah, kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait, no, I do it. I know this. Jerry the King Lawler and Man on the Moon. Yeah. He wins. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll edit out all your misses. The audience no, goes crazy. Don't. Right. Don't. Keep them He's in. He's three for three. He wins the game. <laughs> no. Keep them in. Did you like that though? Are you proud of me? That was tough. It was good. Um, I I don't always know who directed films, so it was very tough for me. But you did times. good. I did I okay. Ed would have got more than you. I think if you had told me more about the synopsis, I would have done better. Yeah. Next time I'll design it. But no, it was very good. Nice job. And now we move on to our final segment: three seconds of silence. That All right. Should, that should be the name of our. Final what did segment. you watch, hear, read, eat, or drink, or whatever else you did? Oh, We're going to start with else. Oliver because he seemed like he had a pretty yeah. good one. I did. And I asked Trey if this was okay because I didn't know what the rules were. But I did mention this because it is the top thing on my mind. Besides, of course, being a filmmaker <laughs> and yeah. making incredible films. Um, I have to say that I have been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 every minute that I'm not editing or shooting something. It's like your, it's like your so, release. Yes. So have either of you played this? Uh, I played the original. I have not played the sequel. Okay, I have not played it. Which keep, system is this on? I'm going to keep pointing around to make sure. So, all right. So, you can get it on multiple. Okay. Um, you can get it on Xbox One as well as PlayStation, PlayStation. 4. PlayStation, okay. Um, but um, for me, I have an Xbox One that I play it on. It is incredible. And I would love to tell you, like, let me set something straight for the record. I'm not like a video game person Mm -hmm. necessarily. Uh, My wife might tell you otherwise based on how much I play this game. Yeah. Um, But I don't like, I'm not like the type of person that's like in, you know, GameStop looking around all the time necessarily. But there are two games that I play, NBA 2K, whatever year, and Red Dead Redemption. It's been the same thing for like eight years for me. (laughs) And this game, so to clarify, got a 10 out of 10 on IGN. You know, that's like that's like getting a 9.5 out of 10 on, like, IMDb or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't happen very often. You got a 10 out of 10 before it even came out. Um, and just the amount of, like, effort that has gone into the storyline, the side stories. It's basically like Grand Theft Auto meets the Wild West. Mm-hmm. It's the same way the first game was. But they basically spent the last, like, almost 10 years, I think, maybe 8 years, something like that, making this newer version of it. 
and just the amount of detail is insane like the 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 way you can you know walk through mud or snow and it gets on your clothes and you have to go take a shower or your guy's health goes down faster <laughs> like it's it's insane stuff like that your horse your horse poops all the time and you have to like make sure it's not on a path or your the people that live near you will get mad like it's all this crazy stuff you can go to a bar and drink and then your guy like walks always, around I, funny like i often wonder this like is this because of our age and we've grown up with like the Nintendo and Nintendo 64 that we're so like these graphics, right? 12 year olds are like, no, I'm not, telling you, this is, I want, I play it just for no, those reasons. Right. It, this is the gold <laughs> standard for like 2018 video games. It kind of sounds like giga pet. Like you have to like do all these things. <laughs> no, you do. No, that's him. such a good way to think. I haven't even thought about it that way. It is. It's almost to the point where it's annoying. Like you're like, Oh wait, but I didn't, like I have to go like you there are points I'm not kidding you where I've had to stop and like brush my horse in the middle of a fight because if you don't keep it clean it'll like kick you off. So like there's these weird moments where you're like wait what am I doing this isn't even real and you lose yourself in this game. So anyway, I don't know how long this segment is. I'm going to stop talking about it. No, that's um but just if you can play this game, I you can rent games now at at Redbox yeah. for like $2. Do it and play it for like the you know 12 hours that you have to play it and i'm telling you you will go out and buy the game immediately <laughs> i'm telling you it is a guarantee i've i've showed it to so many people now and they have instantly been like there have been people that have bought an xbox one <laughs> just, just to play this, this game. game i'm not kidding so it's like a 300 dollars investment just to play the game so anyway try well, it i just want to give everybody a peek behind the curtain we don't know how long the segments are usually so. <laughs> okay we, that's we run answer. on a very strict schedule <laughs> yeah. it's just up for them to I'm figure gonna, out what I'm it gonna is i'm gonna let you go last Trey. oh why okay because you always let me go last. Okay. But that's usually because I can't think of anything. Okay. You skip over. Great. All right. Great. Uh, so, yeah, I, I watched a couple, probably about a month ago, I watched um, the 2009 film The Doors, When You Are Strange. It's a documentary about The Doors, really. It's about Jim Morrison. And it uses footage from a 50-minute experimental film that Jim Morrison co-directed and starred in that nobody really saw, so it's mm -hmm. kind of cinematic in that way. Very 60s, early 70s. It's on Netflix. And it's narrated by Johnny Depp. Oh. So it's an interesting narration. Was this the inspiration for your yeah. Halloween costume this year? So whenever Wait, I, don't I was know, young, I don't know what was, you were for Halloween. He was Jim Morrison. I was Jim okay. Morrison. It kind of was. Skinny Jim Morrison or something? I was what, old, what was the qualifier? Was sexy Jim, Jim Morrison. Morrison. <laughs> The beard. That was Filmmaker the beard. Jim Morrison. Like the beard of Jim Morrison. Um, I'm an edgier Jim Morrison. That's what you should <laughs> say. Uh, so whenever I was in, whenever I was a young kid, like in my teens, I, f I fell in love with their music because it's very poetic. Uh, and I also love to write poetry. So I kind of like re-found that over the last month and I've been writing a lot of poetry. It's also a good, kind of like you do with the video game, It's it's a good like different thing from editing yeah which <laughs> we do stop so doing much, right? anything with a camera yeah totally yeah. can i ask you something yeah are you a poet i've written a lot of poetry but are you a poet sure okay see like you're doing the same thing i do about the filmmaking thing <laughs> like i feel like you're not fully owning it but I'm you a are a poet yeah, right it. i'm a poet okay I, I have like one full book of poetry okay. i've written so see that um, counts then i don't know how good it is but it's poetry nonetheless so yeah i recommend that film what's the name of the film again it's called The Doors When You Are Strange. Hmm. And it's on Netflix. And it's on Netflix. So, Trey, what did you recently watch, hear, read, drink, or eat? <laughs> or even play. Or even play now. We, we have, a, we have a new verb we have to add. 
Um, well, yours sounded like a very well done artistic film. Yeah. I am going to recommend the absolute opposite of that. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Hallmark Channel has oh. released 37 <laughs> new holiday premieres. Are you serious? They are pretty much all the exact same. <laughs> Thir- 37, 37 new films? 37, yes. That were films. just made. Yes, for yeah. this year, 37. So over the course of the last year <laughs> to two years, there have been 37 I would Hallmark say they probably films. made them over the course of the last week. week. <laughs> like, oh that's the kind God. of production that's value we we're talking about. 48-hour film fest. They, Actually, this is pretty good. Let's put it on the Hallmark They show. are <laughs> not good. <laughs> But they, Isn't there like a drinking game? For yes, this? Yeah. there's a drinking game. Um, but they are a kind of great, like sometimes your mind just needs to shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be with a video game or or poetry, you just need a release. My release is just making fun of these terrible Absolutely. movies. Absolutely. My goal is to watch every single one of them this year with my girlfriend, Callie. Um, shout out. And a, shout, <laughs> out. shout out. Um, and I want to come over and watch him. Sometime. Yeah, no, I think I want to do a marathon and I think a lot of people are invited. We'll get some rum chata going. We'll play the drinking game. We'll have a great time. Right. Um, so I do recommend those if you just want to feel better about your filmmaking <laughs> process, because I guarantee you, yep. you would do better than this. Um, <laughs> but in relation to that, I also want to recommend McSweeney's quarterly tendency. Um, it's, it's a website online. That or, well, that's actually the book. To? Yes, I, okay. I sent you guys a link. Actually, the the quarterly publication is a subscription service, so it's actually McSweeney's Internet Tendency is the website online. Um, it's a satirical site, kind of like The Onion, but a little bit more highbrow. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, it also has very lowbrow humor. What I sent you guys was a um, scriptwriter's first draft of a Hallmark movie, um, and... So he kind of <laughs> he writes the script, and I, I don't know if you guys can pull this up, but I think just reading the first couple lines of it will give everyone both a sense of the website and what a Hallmark Christmas movie entails. So I, I don't know. Can well, you guys I'm, pull that I'm up quickly? Up. Okay, um, I, I can. Can read. I can I read it, or you want to? No, read it? I, you can be Abigail in this. Yes. Wait, can I be somebody? Yeah, you be Jennifer. Can you pull it up? It's coming up. Okay, um, you be Jennifer. Can you record this part. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, I'm who? Uh, you're gonna be Jennifer. All right. So I'm Abigail. Oliver is Abigail. I feel like an Abigail. I will sometimes. read. I will read the stage notes. Um, then there's a second scene. In the second scene, um, Thomas, I want you to be Mark. Okay. And Oliver. Oh, hi, Mark. Oliver, if you could be <laughs> Mr. Boss. Okay. <laughs> and we're right. just we're just gonna do those first two scenes. All right. Okay. Uh, because I think that'll give everybody a good sense of what Hallmark movies are and what McSweeney's is. Okay, I will great. read stage directions. Uh, you are in the first scene. Abigail. I'll, you are Abigail. Yep. I am Jennifer. You're Jennifer. Okay. Um, and then you're Mark and you're Mr. Boss, correct? No, I'm Mr. Boss. You're Mr. Boss. Okay, Mark. great. Okay. Um, all right, so here we go. Um, this is an early draft of a Hallmark movie screenplay, Christmas for Christmas by Willie Versteeg, found on McSweeney's.net. <laughs> we open on an interior of a quaint bakery. Jennifer, 29, enters with two snowflakes on her immaculate hair and a smile on her face. An older woman, Abigail, looks up from behind the counter. Jennifer, Christmas, Christmas snow, Christmas cookies? Abigail turns around and produces a fresh tray of cookies. Jennifer, an adult woman, looks on in astonishment. Oh, Christmas. Christmas for me? Mm Mm-hmm. Christmas. We shift to the interior of a glass-walled office. Mark, 29, is sitting at his desk with a sheet of paper in each hand. He looks at one sheet. 
Work. He looks at the other sheet. Work. Mark <sighs> picks up his phone and talks into the receiver. Work, work, work. Yes, work. Dividends, accounts, work. Mark hangs up the phone. Mr. Boss enters the office. Mark, busy? Work, 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 work. Big sale. Work. Work of high quality. Thank you. Work. Mr. Boss hands Mark a third sheet of paper. Work indeed. Clients. Christmas clients. Christmas work. On my desk by the end of the movie. Mr. Boss exits the office. Mark holds the third sheet of paper and looks dejected, confused, afraid. Christmas? <laughs> and I, I don't want to ruin what happens with the rest Christmas? of either that draft or any Hallmark Christmas movie. You'll have to watch all 37 to get a sense of them. But McSweeney's.net. It's hilarious writing. Okay, this is a new great. segment. Uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> this is a new we'll segment. find screenplays. Um, but Hallmark Christmas movies, if you want to feel better about where you stand <laughs> anywhere in life. And, and one, la- and one last those. thing before before you move on. Can I ask someone too, because no one did it and I was hoping someone did. I'm really hungry. Does anyone have like a food thing they could just maybe just real quick? Um, I need to picture something on my ride home and, you know, know that I'm going to eat something. Um you know, typically the guests bring us food. Well, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> and we didn't bring food. You didn't bring me but, food. But I'm not really a guest. Um, so really, what do you, this is what's good? Lasagna. Uh, lasagna is good. Nah, lasagna takes too is long. Good. You need something quick. Wait, are you're asking for like a recommendation? Yeah, like or a real something one. to I think just about. <laughs> I always think about food. <laughs> I just need. Some I want like a specific. I'm thinking. I'm. I want to know what your reviews are on this, or if you have an, a go-to order. I'm thinking Chipotle tonight. Okay. I, I do the bowl, but I ask for the tortilla on the side yes i do the same thing still get that i knew we were thesis partners for a reason it is finally all coming together and that's a quick one you can go and get out get in get out eat it on the way home while you drive exactly exactly yeah even with a bowl yeah as mad as you are about me not showing up with food my wife is that but every night (laughs) so like i promise you there's worse if i don't get it so that's what i'm trying to do before we sign off trey is one of the films the one with <laughs> yes. Kurt Russell with Santa Claus. No, that's a Netflix movie. Okay. So I, I, I kind of opened Pandora's box here a little bit <laughs> last done. night I'm, because yeah. there's 37 Hallmark movies. Those are across two channels. There are 23 Lifetime premieres. Oh my gosh. There are like another four freeform <laughs> premieres. And then there's whatever Netflix and Amazon Prime are doing, which are also awful Christmas movies, I imagine. Yeah. So the point is there's a lot to choose from. Choose wisely. I say go Hallmark. All right. Deal. Trey says go homework. We're going to leave on that note. <laughs> All right. This is uh, Thomas Espy along with Trey County and Oliver Rao signing out for Deeks and Docs. The official W. F. U. D. F. P. P. C. First time. <laughs>